Like everything you're wearing, I was made in China. <clears throat> I was here 40 years ago, and before that, my father was here. He got out of a Japanese prison camp, came here on a tour. He lost 90 pounds in prison. He asked people here to pray for beef on Bechtel. I have to go around now and tell people to stop praying. <laughs> it's been done. He lost 90 pounds, I've gained him back. Anyway, I'm pleased to be here. It's a hard place to get to. I had to swing in on a vine to get here. By the time I came from West Palm Beach to here, it took 12 hours, and I could have been halfway to Hong Kong. But I'm pleased to be here. This church is famous as a missionary sending and a missionary church. We had famous missionaries in Hong Kong from here named Fowlers. And I'm very proud of them, and I know you are too. Today I want to take you to Hong Kong with me. Hong Kong is a very interesting place. It's very small. 20 miles by 20 miles. 400 square miles. When I grew up there, there were only 300,000 people in Hong Kong. When the red line of communism in 1949 came down across China, the refugees fled to Hong Kong. If you want to know which side to cheer for in a battle, watch which way the refugees go. They know who the good guys are. They all came to Hong Kong. We went from 300,000 to a million to two million and on and on and on. Now, there are about eight million people in Hong Kong. In the high-density areas, there are 8,000 people per acre. Now, those of you from this part of the world, you have a lot of acres. And they're beautiful, and I saw a lot of them yesterday as I got lost. And I was thinking as I was driving, there'd be 8,000 people every one of these acres who could tell me how to get back to that motel, and there's nobody here. So we have this place with all these people, and I'm a school principal in Lakeland, Florida. My mother could never believe it. She, she actually, it's like the Chinese think that we didn't really land on the moon. My mother never believed I was a school principal, but I was. And during that time, a doctor took me under his arm. And that doctor mentored me to the point where I realized God was calling me to Hong Kong. That was actually calling me home. I could speak Chinese like a Chinese. And I was going home. And I married a lovely lady from Kansas City, Missouri. Never been out of that part of the world. We went to Hong Kong together. Those of you who are familiar with the Christian Missionary Alliance know that as new missionaries go, they're what you call junior missionaries. Junior missionaries are to be seen and not heard. You're learning, kept telling me. You're learning. The guy who was telling me that had been there for 10 years. I had lived my whole life there. But anyway, he was telling me I was learning. And the goal of missions is always very simple. 
The last command of Jesus was to go. And he told us to go and tell people about him, preach the gospel, disciple those people, get them into churches, and send them out to reach their community. That's the goal. Clear as anything. Simple as anything. So when I got to Hong Kong, I knew the goal, but I soon found out that we weren't planting churches. Why weren't we planting churches? Seen and not heard was the goal. But I thought, I got to go talk to the chairman. The chairman is the man in charge of the whole field. He knows everything. So I went to see him. I said, I don't understand why we're not planting churches. We have six or seven million people here, and we're not planting churches. I've been here now for over four years. We haven't planted one church. What's going on? That's when I was given a lecture on how hard it is to plant a church in Hong Kong. It's almost impossible. Why? Real estate value. Where are you going to put the church? Give you an example. My father, when he got out of prison, bought the mission residence for $16,000. At the height of the market, it was worth $21 million. If you were a business person going to Hong Kong to live in a 600-square-foot apartment, it would cost you $7,000 a month. Well, I was there a month ago, an apartment was purchased for $1,999 a square foot. You got it? Where are you going to put the church? So he gave me this lecture. So I said to him, would you mind, I know it's impossible, but would you mind if I went out and just tried to find a place where we could plant one? He said, go, but don't sign anything, don't agree to anything, don't do anything you shouldn't do, come back and talk to me. Okay, so I went. In the newspaper every day were articles about a new place they were building in Hong Kong called Mei Fu San Chin. Tiger New Village. Why Tiger? It's being built by Mobile Oil. It was 100,000 people were going to live in this brand new place called Mei Fu San Chin. And they were just building it. I thought, that's a perfect place. So I got in the car and drove over there, and there was one building under construction, parked the car, walked back to that building, and there was a guy with a hard hat on and one under his arm. When he saw me come in, he said, are you the inspector? I said, yes, I am. <laughs> he gave me the hat, and I inspected the building. I was looking to see if in that new building there was a place we could plant a church. And sure enough, he took me to see a kindergarten. Perfect. The hall between the classrooms was just wide enough for a church, classroom for Sunday school, office for the pastor. Perfect. I said to him, sir, my part of the inspection is over. Please say hello to the next inspector. <laughs> Gave him back the hat and went down to the mission office. I have found the place. Did you sign anything? No, I didn't. I didn't get us into anything, but can I go back and talk to the manager? Please. You can go, but don't sign anything. Don't agree to anything. Just go. 
So I went. I went into the secretary's office. I was wearing my Hong Kong suit, which is okay unless you bend over. And I said to the secretary, I'd like to meet the manager. She said, oh boy, he's tough. He's an American, a guaylo, a foreign devil. They brought him over here because we have a lot of corruption. And they brought this strong man from Mobile Oil, and he's in that office. Are you sure you want to see him? I said, yeah, I want to see him. So I walked in. The biggest office I ever I had ever seen in Hong Kong. I could play tennis in that office. And there he was at a rosewood desk with a Brooks Brothers suit on, a power tie, and a big moose of a man looking at me, this little missionary, junior missionary. And he says, what can I do for you, Mr. Bechtel? Sit down. So I sat down as fast as I could. and I said to him, I work for an organization that operates schools. It's true. Christian Missionary Alliance has over 10,000 students in their schools in Hong Kong. And I'm looking here, this is a perfect place for a school. Matter of fact, I found a kindergarten over in stage four. It's just being built, and we'd like to run a kindergarten there. And on a Sunday morning, we'd like to have a church service. <laughs> he said, what'd you say? I said, it's not important. We're going to run a school. No, no, I want to know, what, what, what else did you say? I said, I, I, uh, on Sunday morning, when there's no school, we'd like to run a church. But if that's not possible, just tell me. He said, Mr. Bechtel, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I do not like Hong Kong. My wife does not like Hong Kong. We did not want to come to Hong Kong. We fought it. But my wife and I are followers of Jesus Christ. And I have 20 applications in this drawer who have already made their down payment so that they could have that kindergarten. And I've been waiting for a guy like you to come through the door and say, we want to build a church. And you come in and say, I'm like to have a church though. Do you want to have a church service or not? I said, we do, of course. <laughs> he said, well, it's all yours. I said, really? There's a little something you ought to know. He said, it's going to cost you a little over $33,000 to get it going. He must have seen the blood flow out of my head when I heard the number $33,000. Missionaries had never heard a number like that ever said publicly before in our lives. I knew we had 400 and some dollars in our church planning account for two years. And he is talking about $33,000? I said, Mr. Zender, I hate to tell you this, but we can't do it. You can't do it? 
I said, no, we can't. We, 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 we have 400 and some dollars in our church planning account for two years and $33,000. There's no hope. We've never heard of a number like that. We don't even know what to think about a number like that. Mr. Zender got red in the face. Mr. Zender walked over to me. And he looked down at me and he said, are you a missionary? It's a businessman talking to a missionary. Are you a missionary? Yes. Do you serve God? Yes. The God of the Bible? Mm-hmm. Well, I have one question for you, missionary. And here it is. How big is your God? Whew. That's tough medicine for a missionary. I got to thinking about that. I said, let me go back to my chairman and see how big his God is. So I went back to the chairman. The chairman worked me over. Told me I didn't know what I was doing and on and on and on. And he said, but he said, we'll have an executive committee meeting. Decide this once and for all. So I said, okay, I'll go along with that. The executive committee are the five guys who run things. They know everything and they run everything. And they made the decision, three to two, not to do it, because all we had was 400 and some dollars in our account for two years. They told me to go and tell Mr. Zender. I said, are you kidding me? He beat me up once. I'm not going back there again. And I got discouraged. And I couldn't understand why God wouldn't let us plant a church for 100,000 upper middle class people. What's going on here? Then my wife said, we should pray. We started to pray, and another thing you should know is every four years, some missionaries who are worn out after four years go home on furlough. At the same time, other missionaries who've rested for one year, going all over the place speaking, come back and get back to work. That year, by God's grace and mercy, The three guys who voted against it went home on furlough. And the three guys who came back to replace him were met by me at the airport. I sat them down before they even got their bags and said, guess what? God has given us an opportunity. As soon as they got there, we had to have a new executive committee because those guys had left. And the new executive committee, which I happened to be on, and those guys were on, voted five to nothing. Do it! How big is our God? Man, I was on fire. The next morning I went to see Mr. Zender. I walked into his office. I didn't even talk to the secretary. I said, we're going to do it. He said, it's about time you came back. He said, I have 40 applications in the drawer. They've all paid their down payment. I've been waiting for you to come back. It's all yours. I signed the papers. $33,000. I thought I'm going to have to leave the mission and get a job. Somebody's got to pay for this and it ain't going to come out of the mission. That night, I went to a Chinese feast. Now, you heard on the slideshow there about moms that Chinese food is wonderful. As a matter of fact, When we get to heaven, 
we're going to be eating Chinese food. <laughs> They're the only people that can take a cat and cook it and make it taste like chicken. <laughs> I can only say that when my mother's when my wife's not here. But anyway, so I love Chinese food. I like food, but Chinese food's wonderful. But they have a thing called a feast. If you get invited to a Chinese feast, better you get the flu. Because they serve things at a Chinese feast that are undocumented. They are things people haven't heard of before. And the goal at a Chinese feast is to move the food around your plate and occasionally lower one shoulder and raise one shoulder and shoot it onto the ground. It's the only way to live through a Chinese feast. So I'm at this Chinese, I went to him all the time, and I'm sitting beside a guy who's a pastor of the largest church in Hong Kong, the North Point Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. And as this stuff is coming out, I don't want to eat it, so I'm talking to him. I said, you know, Dr. Tung, why doesn't your church start another church? He said, you know, we've been thinking about that. As a matter of fact, we formed a committee. That's the end of that. You've been on, those who laughed have been on a committee. It's hopeless. So he said, we formed a committee and we sent them all over Hong Kong. And they came back with the perfect place. They went to see the manager of the place and the secretary said, don't even go in and see him. There's 40 applications for that kindergarten. We think he's keeping it for his mother-in-law. Don't even try. It's hopeless. So the committee came back and said they're going to keep looking. I said, Dr. Tung, if I told you where that was, would you do it? He said, of course. I said, it's in Meifu Sanchun. How'd you know that? I said, I signed the papers for it this morning. He said, praise the Lord. We'll do it. I said, there's a little something you ought to know. <laughs> so I started telling him the story. He said, stop. An elder in our church moved into Meifu Sanchu. He said, we need a church here. He said, if you'll bring a church and plant it here, I'll pay all the bills for the first three years till it gets established. I started eating the food. <laughs> I was never so happy in my life. The load is gone. Meanwhile, on the other side of me, the guy's poking me, trying to get my attention. But I, I mean, I'm getting a church going here. So finally, I turn around and say, yes. His name's Richard. I said, are you, are you planning to start a kindergarten? Yes. You know who my wife is, don't you? I said, yeah, well, everybody knows your wife, Sergeant Major Hall. She runs commercial kindergartens all over Hong Kong. She's in the newspaper all the time. She's famous for running kindergartens. He said, I need your help. She just retired. Do you get it? <laughs> Forgot I was in Erie. I need your help. I need your help. She's in the house all day. 
She's driving me crazy. Please give her the job as the principal of that kindergarten. I said, we can't afford her. You don't need to afford her. I'll pay her. Please help me. So in the morning I signed for Mei Fu Sun and around the table that night, where all day I had thought of who I was going to be working for, I got the church taken care of and the principal taken care of. I went home and told my wife she almost passed out. She couldn't believe it. I called a meeting of the executive committee the next morning. I said, you guys won't believe it. They're going to do it, and his wife's going to be the principal. Now we're on a roll. Now I understand what we're talking about. Our God can do anything. I got in the car and I went to a place called Wong Han. That means the yellow bamboo gutter in, China, in English, but it sounds better in Chinese. It's an estate for 40,000 people just being built. I walked into the manager's office. I said, sir, I'm with the Christian and Missionary Alliance and I want to plant a church in this estate. He said, pick any place you want, you can have it. Are you serious? Yes. How much will it cost? Nothing. It's a government project. Don't worry about it. Sounds like here, doesn't it? So anyway, so now we're really on a roll. Now I've got a hold of God. God can do anything. So I called up Chuck Fowler from this church and a guy named Don Weideman. Both of them good Pennsylvania boys. We got on my, in my little Volkswagen bug and we got in there and we said, Lord, lead us to the next place. Started driving around. All of a sudden the engine stopped. Pulled over, got out, opened the hood, no engine. It's in the back. So while two missionaries who know zero about engines are looking at the engine, I'm looking around. And here is the biggest estate you ever saw in your life just being built. I said, forget the car. Look where God stopped us, for goodness sakes. We go up there. We walk right up to the manager's office. If you know Chinese, there's two signals you got to know. This one. That means come. This one means go. The manager looks at me and goes, I said, excuse me? You're a missionary. I said, do I look like a missionary? Yes, you are one, aren't you? Yes. I dislike missionaries. Well, you haven't met this one here yet. I dislike him too. I dislike all of you. Get out of my office. I said, I've never ever been thrown out of an office before in my life as we have now. Went back to the car, found out my knee had hit the key and turned the ignition off, so we turned it back on, drove home. <laughs> and we started to have prayer meetings. I have a saying, get on your knees and fight like a man. That's what we did. And an idea came into my brain. Why don't I go talk to the head of all housing in Hong Kong and get into every one of these estates? So I made an appointment with Mr. McGregor, a good Scotsman. It was a British colony. When I got to the office and I walked in, the secretary said, 
You don't want to see Mr. McGregor today. He's been drinking. Scottish people would rule the world if it wasn't for whiskey. You all know that. <laughs> Mr. McGregor was out. He said, we've appointed, the government has appointed a new person in charge of all the housing in Hong Kong. Her name is Mrs. Lamb. She's in her new office across the hall. Go talk to her. All right. So I go across the hall. Mrs. Lamb's name's on the, on the wall. I walk in. I'd like to see Mrs. Lamb. Secretary says, she's busy today. She's new here. Have to make an appointment. I said, I don't have time to make an appointment, but I do have time to walk back and forth in front of your desk. And if she has any time at all today, I'd like to see her. So I walk. Back and forth. And finally, the secretary's had enough and goes in. Here's what I hear. There's a man outside here who has no appointment and he wants to see you and he's walking back and forth in front of my desk. Here's his card. Here's what I hear next. Johnny Bechtel is in my office. I haven't been called Johnny Bechtel for 20 years at that point. Bring him in here right now. So I go in. She comes over and uncharacteristically of a Chinese, she takes my hand. She says, Johnny, how are you? I said, I'm wonderful. How are you? She says, I'm fine. How's your mom, Johnny? She's fine. How's yours? Mine died. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. How's your dad, Johnny? Fine. How? No, I better not ask that question. <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation where you would give three of your fingers to know who in the world it is you're talking to? <laughs> I was a desperate man. Lord, this was very easy for you. Just, who is Mrs. Lamb? Please, tell me who she is. Lord, she says, you don't remember me, do you? I said, I remember you, but I can't remember you right now. <laughs> and she said, I lived in the house next door to you when I grew up, and I was your babysitter when you were a little baby. You know what's going through my head? Five words. Can you guess them? Are you getting it yet? How big is our God? I said, oh, I'm so glad to see you again. She says, your mother led me to Jesus. I said, oh, my, I'm so glad to hear that. Then she said, I got away from Jesus. I married the wrong man. My children are all messed up. I was ready to take my life. I thought I ought to at least try one more time to talk to God. So I went to that little Alliance Church up on the mountain. I got down on my knees and I said, God, I've messed up my life. Please forgive me and use me in my later years now for your glory and your honor. And she said, just a while after that, I got this job. And when I came into this office, I got down on my knees behind that desk 
And I, I got on my knees and I said, Lord, you put me here. Please use me. And what do I hear? Johnny Bechtel, a missionary, has to be, I never thought he would be, is in my office. What can I do for you, Johnny? Oh, man. I've been waiting my whole life to hear her say, what can I do for you? I said, we want to put a church in every resettlement estate in Hong Kong. She said, good, so do I. How do we start? I said, well, a few weeks ago, I went to an estate, and I had rather a hard start. The man wouldn't talk to me and asked me to leave. She said, go back there in two weeks. Two weeks later, I went back to that estate where I had been given this. And the new housing manager of that estate <laughs> was one of the most pliable people I've ever met in my life. He couldn't do enough for me. We were in immediately. We started going all over Hong Kong, planting these churches in a city that it's impossible to plant a church in. Until we heard a businessman from Columbus, Ohio, who didn't want to be there, say to us, how big is your God? One day, I woke up and I thought, I wonder what happened to that guy who was manager who threw me out of his office. So I went down to see Bertha. She's Bertha to me now. No more Mrs. Lamb. I said, Bertha, where is the man who I had a hard time? She says, well, he's at a place called Guntong. And very interesting, in the last service, a Chinese man came up to me and talked to me in Chinese. He lived in the estate in Guntong. Unbelievable. Anyway, she said, go there and see him. So I went. Instead of this, it was this. Come in. Sit down. And you know you're in when he says, what kind of tea do you like? Brought me the best tea. He said, I have to thank you for something. I said, what's that? He said, you know, you could have been very hard on me. I don't know what you said to Mrs. Lamb, but I know you went to see her. And I want to thank you. You could have gotten me in a lot of trouble. Mrs. Lamb gave me a promotion. She promoted me from that estate to two of the biggest estates in Hong Kong, Guntong and Sao Maopeng. And I thank you for that. Now, what can I do for you? <laughs> I said, well, we want a church in each estate. He said, all right. Drove me around. said, pick any place you want. Went back to sign for him. I said, before I sign for him, there's one thing I want. I want you to promise me that when we open the first one, you will attend the opening service and program. He said, I'll be there. The day came. There were 300 and some people there. Hotter than fire in Hong Kong. I'm in a suit, sweat's pouring down my back. I have every elder, every deacon, every Christian in the place looking for that man because the seat right here, front and center, is where they're going to bring him to. He doesn't come and he doesn't come and all of a sudden there's a lot of fluttering in the back and here he comes. All dressed up, walks right down and sits right there. I didn't speak to 350 people that day. I spoke to him. I told him how Jesus could change his life. That man came to me after the service and said, 
Thank you. I want to be a Christian. That man ended up becoming a deacon in that church. He's now in heaven. But God changed his life. We went all over Hong Kong planting these churches. Because we understood one principle. It's called, how big is your God? And my God is big enough to bring the picture up on this screen. We decided to get everybody together from the churches we planted after we met Mr. How Big Is Your God. We planted 132 churches. We decided to get all the people together. Many of them couldn't come, but in great faith, and I didn't have the faith they did, they hired the biggest football stadium in Hong Kong. And by police count, 36 thousand people came to that event last year. My dad started the first church in a garage. And when the Japanese took him to prison, there were eight members. And as I stood up to speak to these 36,000 people, they had never heard a foreign devil speak their language to them in that way. And I told them the little story about how God taught us how big he is. Our God is able to do anything. He can make a blind man see, a lame man walk, he can turn water into wine, you name it, he can do it. But we have to understand that. Let me read you what David says, and I'm done. Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. You wonder what the Great Commission Fund does? Well, you just heard about it for the last 30 minutes. The Great Commission Fund is people who are sent by you to go out there and to bring people to Jesus Christ and to put them in a church and disciple them and send them out to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jesus' command was clear. Go. I heard this morning there are 60 Chinese students in this city studying in higher level learning. And they are a gold mine. All you got to do is invite them to your house. Give them Kentucky Fried Chicken and turn on the Jesus film and you will do the greatest missionary service you could possibly do. God has you here for a reason. He has you in this church for a reason. And he has you giving to the Great Commission Fund for a reason. The reason is that he told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's clear. It's simple. He is big. He is able to do it if we but trust him. Let's pray. 
Lord, if we didn't learn anything else this morning, we learned what you can do. We've heard it. We've been told it. This morning, we saw it with our own two eyes. I pray, Lord, for this missionary-minded family that's here today. Lord, I ask that they would send out their best people to do this. Lord, I pray they would give generously to do this. And I pray that you'd help all of us to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel. We thank you that you empower us to do that. You enable us to do that. And you allow us to do that. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I'm 74 years old. And you young people, some of us are getting near the end of this road. I spoke in a big high school assembly recently. They were cheering and yelling by the time I was through. And one of them came up to me and he says, That's, That wasn't bad. Boy, you're really old. I haven't got over that yet. But you young people, let's go, go, let's go do it. Let's get you out there. Let's preach the gospel. Someday we'll get to our own stadium up in heaven and it'll be so full we won't know what to do with all the people. God bless you.